Welcome to the Autism and Theology podcast, brought to you by the Centre for Autism and Theology at the University of Aberdeen. And welcome to this episode of Cat Chat, part of the Autism and Theology podcast at the University of Aberdeen. I'm Krisha and I've got Ian with me this week as well. Hello. And we're so excited that you could join us this week when we discuss some of our book and podcast and other media recommendations. So, Ian, we were just having a quick brainstorm before we had this podcast. Um Are there any particular books that you would recommend that you've been reading recently in regards to kind of autism, theology and neurodivergence in general? Yeah, so um, actually just last night I was looking at um, Leon's book, Autism and Worship, which has in the the beginning, in the introduction, a really good um, literature review where he sort of summarizes some of the other books about book length treatments of this topic that have come out pretty recently. Um, and yeah. because his book is so new, it's pretty up to date. Um, so I, I looked at that and I was like, this is exactly what I would recommend. <laughs> so, I mean, to start with, his book is actually really good, right? Um, autism and Worship, a Liturgical Theology that's looking at um, autism specifically from a liturgical theology standpoint and um, also has some certainly some practical theology as part of it too. Um, but then he, in like I say, in his literature review, talks about several different books, um, several different book-length treatments that have to do with autism and theology um, to varying degrees. Right. So one is um, Summer Canards of Such is the Kingdom, which is a um, more of a practical theology work and more general uh, about disability more generally. Um, but she is autistic and, and has several autistic family members. So that is that is informing her perspective for sure, even if it's not specifically about autism per se. Definitely. Uh, he also highlights um, Stuart Rapley's autistic thinking in the life of the church. Um, Stuart, of course, is is with us in CAT, um, so I think yeah. we're all familiar with him and his uh, his work. And his is um, that's a pretty good sort of consideration of um, how autistic people incorporate or don't incorporate into the church, or, um, how they how they end up feeling excluded and why they end up feeling excluded. Um, so certainly worth looking at. Um, he mentions Cynthia Tam's Kinship in the Household of God, which is um, a treatment about um, more, I think she uses the term severe autism or severe disability. Is that right? I, I want to use the terminology that she uses. Um, yeah, that that's, sounds like the terminology she, that she would use, that she has used in past works, I believe. And that's the um, that deals with several um, quote unquote severely disabled autistic people and their experiences in the church. Um, so that's another another good one, and from a perspective that we don't often hear from um, in some of the literature. And then last is Ruth Dunster's The Autism of GXD, which I know we've also um, I think we've also highlighted on the podcast, or have we not? Am I thinking of Cat? <laughs> 
I think we have highlighted Ruth Dunster's book, actually. I don't think we've had a chat about it, but I think it's certainly been one that has been discussed on the podcast and also kind of between members of CAT as well. And I guess what's really interesting in your list, there's a couple that I wanted that I thought of that were quite similar, but others that I thought of that were quite different. So Leon's book is, is fantastic. And when I was reading it for the conversation that we had, that was the CAT episode back in October, um it's such a fantastic book and it's really kind of up to date but the other book i would recommend alongside that info it's not disability it's not it's just disability wide it's not autism specific is erin rafferty's from inclusion to justice it's fantastic and it get re- as it's really gets to the social justice person in me because some it's a book that i read for some of the work that i've been doing and some of the stories that erin picks up in the in her research echo some of the stories that i've picked up when i've been doing my phd and it's just so well written and really brings to the heart of actually what the difference between inclusion and justice which i really really enjoyed and i also really enjoyed um Naomi Lawson Jacobs and Emily Richardson's At the Gates and um, as a little spoiler Emily and Naomi are hopefully going to be joining us in April so keep an eye on for that podcast episode to come out and even though, though that again is not necessarily autism specific there's an awful lot of justice stuff that's actually really really pertinent to um, neurodivergent people really specifically and i guess the other resource even though it's not a book i would recommend the canadian journal of theology mental health and disability because it has some fantastic kind of edge fringe pioneering thinking and work from creative works it has academic work it has art poetry and it's really kind of eclectic in the variety of different types of knowledge and experiences that it shares and there's been some fantastic stuff on autistic people's experiences and neurodivergent people's experiences in that journal that's cool um i know we were also talk, thinking about podcasts and kind of other media as well and i know when we were just chatting before we joined ian you had a you have a friend who does some tiktok that's right stuff. yes uh, actually, a seminary classmate and friend of mine um, is, 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 I think, sort of a TikTok celebrity. She has um, become disabled as a result of uh, long COVID and has used TikTok to sort of document that journey and, and um, sort of raise awareness around what she's been going through and, by extension, what a lot of people are going through. Um, and so uh, her name is Kate Harmon Siberini. And um, Kate Harmon Siberini is actually her TikTok name. Siberini uh, is S-I-B-E-R-I-N-E. Um, and so she has a pretty, like I say, a pretty wide following. And it's been um, it's been cool to see her talk about you, you talk very candidly about what she's gone through and 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 the ways in which um, her life has been made more difficult by virtue of this per se but also by virtue of the way that society treats her differently um and so that's a really that's a that's a good resource and one that i would happily recommend there's also another um there is another podcast called the accessible altar that i listen to um and it 
deals specifically with um, disability more broadly, but disability and ministry specifically, um, hence the title. And uh, they've they've had a number of different guests on one. Uh, full disclosure, I was one of them, <laughs> but um, they've talked about uh, the various ways in which dis disability affects ministry um, and, and the ways in which uh, ministry contexts are accepting of, inclusive of, um, embracing of or not of disability. Um, and so that's been a really good conversation um, to be to, to listen to and, and sort of be part of. In fact, both of your recommendations remind me of someone who I know from other kind of roles I have. And um, she's on TikTok as at Gemma Brown 8 and she's done some fantastic, so Gemma has done some fantastic advocacy work as a neurodivergent blind creator and also activist in that space. And I think, although I think TikTok can get a really bad rep, it's actually really good for getting those bite-sized bits of information out to a really, really broad um, community because a lot of the information and kind of the books and the, some of the podcasts we're talking about, you have to kind of be in the know sometimes to know that they're there, I find. Um, and I think we're in the privileged position that we do know that they're there so we can discern which ones we want to read and which ones we don't. Um, which is why I have, I find kind of the kind of online activism quite important as well. Yeah, it also, I mean, there's a, there's a, I think in terms of raising awareness and raising acceptance, it, it, that online advocacy is really important because especially for something like TikTok, which is a video-based medium, you actually put a human face to a lot of this, which doesn't happen with a book or with a journal article or something like that. And, and the thing that affects people most, I mean, you hear this time and again, that the thing that changes people's minds is they finally have a personal experience with it. Well, finding someone on TikTok and hearing from them isn't the same as having a friend who's going through it or, or anything like that. But it is, it does offer a sort of personal lens that I think m brings it home to people in a way that words on a page simply aren't capable of. And so it, it I think can be even more effective in some ways, especially for the average person that doesn't have experience with it. And I think especially where we work often involved as researchers, we kind of write for the academic audience. And sometimes we use language that isn't necessarily all that accessible to right. Joe Blogs on the street or jo Joe Blogs in church. Right. Joe Blogs who attends mosque on a Friday, Joe Blogs who goes to whatever kind of community or congregation or religious space. Um, and I think this, this is why I'm really pro kind of us breaking down our research and disseminating it in really different creative ways. So I know as part of a project that Leon was part of, he created like a, a zine as part of it. And I think almost in a way, although that's not really a recommended book, I would almost recommend the way that he disseminated some of his findings for that project on autism and autistic people's experiences of worship. Mm. Yeah, that's and and that's the that's the tricky part. Like, and and one of the things that you'll find if you read 
book length treatments is a lot of the same ground gets tread because you can't assume anyone has the same knowledge base. So you end up talking about definitions of autism. What do we mean when we say autism? How do we refer to autistic people? Are they autistic people or people with autism? And all of this mm. ground that you have to cover in order to make sure everybody's starting from the same foundation. And in reality, not that that's a bad thing, not that that's not that there's anything wrong with that, but sometimes what people need is to have a human being that they can that they understand and that they that they recognize saying no don't call me a person with autism call me an autistic person um and yeah. when you hear it from an individual not that that needs to be persuasive or not that that's universally accepted or anything but it is i think more convincing than looking at survey data for a lot of people right yeah and I guess also in regards to kind of the, a lot of the ground setting we do, when we write about it in academia, we can sometimes we are asked to write things that we're not necessarily all that comfortable with saying autism is X, Y, Z. Right. When actually for us, being autistic is not, you know, necessarily what's on might be written in the DSM-5 or the ICD-11. Right. It's 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 it has there's struggles and there's joy as well. And one of the words I've used when doing training before is it's it's stimmy to be autistic and how to explain. It's obviously seeing all the patterns and the colours and th all the sensory stuff. Actually, yes, there are lots of barriers, but it's not it's not inherently. It's how I experience the world. It's not inherently a bad thing. Right. And I think that's what of some of the certainly reading Leon's book. It was really really respectful, and mm -hmm. I really appreciate that and Erin's as well. So I think there's some really good resources which are pulling on this, this kind of breaking things down away from this academic mold of this is how we should describe autistic people, ADHDers, people with dyslexia, you know, it, it's it's opening and challenging the discussion that's going on. Right. Yeah, and this is, I mean, this is the, uh, the exciting thing about being part of this is this is a really I mean, this is a this is a conversation and a subdiscipline that's really sort of in its infancy, um, that really has a long way to go until there's a there's a sort of critical consensus around a lot of these topics. Um, not that there ever needs to be necessarily, but the but the fact is, there's still there's still a lot to be a lot of ground to be covered when it comes to autism in general and autism in theology, um, because we just don't there just isn't that much out there because we've only been studying this for 20, 25 years, really. Um, in that vein, one of the books I uh, meant to mention too, that I'm, that I haven't yet read, but I'm excited about um, is Lisa D Powell's the disabled God revisited, um, which again is one that's not about um, autism and theology per se, but is is a sort of expansion of Nancy Eastland's really foundational disability theology text, The Disabled God. Um, yeah. And, and so I'm really excited to read that. That just came out last year. Um, and I think, you know, all the uh, reviews and everything that I've read have been pretty universally positive. That's really good. And actually, that's another one on my to read list. My to read list is absolutely huge at the moment, especially where I'm tying up a thesis. I'm having to sure. kind of be quite intentional with what I'm reading and what I'm not reading. But that is certainly one that I think is is definitely on my I want to have a look at that. I want to see what it's like and how yeah. it positions the people and things in it. 
so yeah i mean there's just a lot uh, there's, there is a lot out there, and especially knowing that autism and theology touches on disability theology more broadly, there is a lot of material out there, but at the same time, compared to some other subdisciplines, there isn't, right? There just isn't that much because it's so young. So um, that's one of the things that I'm most excited about is that we get to see this develop and, and play a hand in it. Definitely. And I guess it would also be really great to hear what our listeners think, what books they like, what books they would recommend, any other podcasts or resources as well, because I'm very aware we're just scratching the surface of some of the resources and all sorts of things that people might know. So if you'd like to let us know about your favourite book or resource, um, don't hesitate to get in contact with us at at Autism Theology on X or Instagram, or to send us an email at cat at abdn.ac.uk. It's been great chatting today, Ian. It's fantastic. And we look forward to our next cat episode. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Autism and Theology podcast. If you have any questions for us or just want to say hi, please email us at cat at abdn.ac.uk or find us on Twitter at Autism Theology.